Healing Divine. My name is Julia Wesley, and today I have psychic medium and spiritual life coach Claire Muck with us today. How are you doing, Claire? Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. There is a lot on your About Me page that I find absolutely fascinating. You see spirit physically sometimes like with your eyes rather than just like your third eye and speaking for myself if that had ever happened to me ever even (laughs) knowing what I do now I still think I would have freaked out so what was that experience like for you or do you have any So I definitely have many, especially from a very young age. When I was a kid, I used to see spirits in the doorway. I guess one way to say this is I've always, in my time, wisdom of figuring out how spirits work. If your energy is saying, get away, or I don't like you or whatever, they won't come in your room. Mm. So I have a weird phobia. Fun fact, I might get off on a tangent. I have no doors in this whole house. So the way that I do it that way, if there's no doors, then they can't come into my house at all. So that's why I do that. So when I was a little kid, I used to see them all the time and it was very terrifying. I have many stories. There was one that was very memorable as a four or five-year-old where it was like Billy Bob Thornton, bad Santa looking like guy. No way. Yeah. Scared the crap out of me. It was, and you could smell alcohol. There's blood all over. That one scared me a lot, but As far as like recent wise, I had this person show up and I was staying with my boyfriend at the time. So I had to get up and it was like three o'clock in the morning and I was like, okay. And so I go sit in the middle of the room and I'm like, what do you want? And he's trying to get me the spirit, his full body is trying to get me to come out into the like kitchen area. He had opened up the door. At this time, I lived in a very sketchy part of Omaha, Nebraska. It was very scary. The door was wide open, but it was locked. And I was like, how did the door get open? It was super scary, but it was a warning. It was him trying to tell me to tell his son, you got to get out. You're going to get in trouble. You got to do it now. That's why he made me see the door. That was his symbol to get out. So I have office hours for spirits and they don't break that usually. It's very rare. I have people in my life, like ex-boyfriend from years and years ago, his dad shows up in my dreams sometimes or like stuff like that happened. But Mm -hmm. the full body apparitions, that's a very rare occurrence. And it's a big warning if it is. So listening to how you, in your own practice of mediumship, it's very different from my experience. When I was a kid, I had very strong boundaries. (laughs) I laid down the law. I had (laughs) one dream where I had some guy who was pretending to be a prince and he put on a whole show. And then at the very end of it, he wanted something from me and I told him no. And he got so pissed, but that was the last dream that I ever had with any sort of ghosty nonsense like that until I was maybe in middle school. And then I started cracking the door open a little bit. And it wasn't really until maybe a handful of years ago that I like fully deep dive into this, but your mediumship, I I call this traditional mediumship where you connect into someone's past loved one. I can really only do that when someone is acting as a guide for someone, because otherwise it's the weird stuff for me, like aliens and. Oh no, mine's usually just dead people. (laughs) So I love that though. How did you get to boundary setting? How did you figure that out? 
Oh, it was a very hard, long road. When I was attuned to be a Reiki master is when it opened all back up for me. I couldn't turn it off anymore. I had no boundaries. They were waking me up at all hours of the night. What they showed me is what most people say. It looks like I'm a lighthouse and I'm a beacon for them to all come. And so it was a good probably almost three years where I didn't have boundaries and I was barely getting any sleep. And at the time I worked at a drug and alcohol rehab facility. So the amount, yeah, um, the (laughs) amount of dead people that surrounded the addicts in there was, but that is how I perfected everything. That is how Mm. I did the boundaries. I was able to be like, okay, this is yours. This is not mine. All right. Our energy separate. Okay. I can separate energy, have office hours for energy. Now have office hours for spirits. I had got thrown into the bullpit and been like, figure it out. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what I did. So that's interesting. So you focus on separating your energy as a form of boundaries. It might be because I'm an Aquarius. (laughs) No, that makes sense. I like that. So there was a stretch of time where I was picking up on a bunch of earthbounds and they're always the ones with the the problems. They don't want to go. It got to the point where I couldn't sleep. Like I had to sleep with every light in the apartment on. Even when I did wake up, dead people were waking me up. I would get ready for work and I'm worried about being naked in my own apartment because there are dead people everywhere and I know it. And it got to the point where my guides were like, okay, look, there are dead people everywhere. There are dead people everywhere, but you don't have to interact with dead people. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, and so there could be five dead people in my apartment right now, but if I'm not going to interact on that wavelength, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so I love that rather than, because as an empath, they always teach you to create the bubble of white light around you. And for me, that never worked because I'm like, if it's an actual boundary, you just have to poke, like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was on bed rest for three and a half years at one point in my life. I had three back surgeries. It was crazy. So in that time I got used to my energy. I know my energy and that's why it was very easy for me to kind of like, Oh, this is yours. This is mine. And so it was just like the series of events that have led up to the way and how now I teach stuff. It's so confusing because every single person is different, how they come to where they're at in their life, whether it's their mediumship or Reiki or whatever, it's, you have to be like, okay, this is where you're at. Let's start to unfold it from here. It's yeah. It's just, we're all delicate little flowers. (laughs) It's so true though. I focus on soul blueprints and I work in the Akashic records a lot. And the way that when I first started doing readings, they would show people to me as like a snowflake or as like a mandala. It was literally a special snowflake symbolism is what they used for me (laughs) as being their own individuals. But yeah, you're right. We all do come at this differently. I've heard a lot about when people being Reiki attuned, that it blows open their psychic faculties. Was it like night and day for you? The exact like second that I was attuned. Yes. My poor teacher, she had no idea because she just taught Reiki and like most Reiki practitioners, they teach you not to talk and like stuff like that in their sessions. I know it's weird. I don't teach like that, but I kept saying, I'm seeing things. I'm seeing things. She's okay. Just start saying it. And I started saying everything. And I remember I was practicing on her granddaughter. I think she was like four years old. And I was like, okay, I'm seeing a little white dog that is sleeping with her every single night, but there's something in the corner that this dog is protecting her from. And she was like, oh my God, that's why we got the dog is because she couldn't sleep at night because she kept pointing in the corner that there was something watching her. 
and she was like, I don't know what the hell I just unlocked for you, but go with it. And I don't know what to do. Nobody knew what to do with me. I had to teach everything on my own because everybody's, this is not normal. This is not normal. But the way you're talking about it, you're talking about it so matter of fact that it almost yeah. seems as if you rolled with it. That was like 10 years ago. So it's been, I'm a little You're over now. it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there have been a few times in my life, nothing like what you've experienced, because if I had experienced a person in my space, I would have ran for my baseball bat. <laughs> you know, it's not a person. How can you tell? Like I can, I guess it's energy now that you say it. I've never really described yeah. that before, but it is. I know if like my boyfriend was standing in front of me, I can tell it's a human energy. And okay. then if it's a spirit energy, they're like, half there. I don't know how else to describe that. You that know sense. that it's a spirit. It's not like, oh my God, is this a human? You will know if it's mm. a human. So that has a lot to do with feeling and understanding energy. That's yeah. like a basic level. Okay. So I'll tell this story because it's probably the craziest story ever. So I was living in an apartment at this time and this spirit was standing in my doorway in my bedroom and I was like go away dude I'll talk to you tomorrow like mm -hmm. I know I have a session and I could tell that he was attached to my first session mm -hmm. and I was like go away I don't want to deal with it and he kept moving stuff out in the living room like things were falling off the walls it was ridiculous yeah and my cat was with me so I knew that it wasn't my cat like it was real so I finally got up and I go out into the middle of the room usually when this happens I go to the middle of the room and I sit down and I'm going to a meditative state and that's when they start filling me full of like clairvoyant visions. So he showed me three visions of basically why he killed himself. So the first thing was the war, like he was in some Iraq war or something. And then the next one was something to do with his ex there was like cheating or something and then the third one this was the craziest thing so I saw this woman I was so confused I was like why is her face off to the side she looks dead and there was no explanation I just saw that so when the lady came in the next morning I was like okay sit down your brother dri driving me crazy last night let's get this over with <laughs> and, and so I told her the whole story and she's like oh that is my sister and apparently she got ran over by a bus and the wheel caught on her face and shaved this part of her face off. So that's why it's off to the side. She almost died. And the reason why he held on to it is because he was supposed to be with her that day. And oh. this happened. So then let's fast forward two weeks. And then all of a sudden this guy shows up in my apartment again. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't have this appointment. What is happening? And yeah. so he, I did the whole thing again. And he showed me the same stuff but he focused on the girl and he sh like made me feel all the feelings. I started bawling and blah, blah, blah. So then I get to my next day and in walks that girl, the girl with the face. Yeah. And I literally like was holding stuff and I came around the corner and I just dropped everything. And I was like, Oh my God, you're real. Like <laughs> It wasn't a warning, but it was, I need to tell them because they're broken without knowing this. Yeah. Like they think it's their fault, but it was my choice. The, the next thing I wanted to ask you is any experience I've had where it's almost intrusive, the spirit comes to you and it's always an earthbound or at least in my experience it is. I consider an earthbound is a soul fragmentation. Do you see it that way? I don't even know what that means. So. <laughs> so in my experience, a soul fragmentation is a little part of our trauma that we are not ready to take with us. Okay. So that definitely could be yes. 
there's, oh man, there's so much I could talk about, but I think, okay. So the first thing is that spirits say once they pass away, they're instantly downloaded with all the information in the world. They become all knowing. I mm-hmm. call this kind of like the acceptance realm. Okay. Sometimes they can stick around in here for a little bit because if they like die instantly or if they kill themselves, they're in shock, like whatever. In this realm, you have a choice of, do you want to show up in your loved one's dream, show up as a full body apparition, whatever. You can do that to let people know that you're okay. Cause that's a lot of the time, the big thing. And so they can choose that, or they can go over to the peace realm, heaven, whatever, Mm -hmm. or there's the pity party realm. The pity party realm is usually suicide murderers, whatever. Mm -hmm. These people can end up in the peace realm, but they just choose to be stuck in that victim mentality or whatever. I've never felt hell. The spirits have really said like, we're living in it. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Yeah. yeah, but the reason why I'm explaining all of that is because this man was in here for a good amount of time and did show up in dreams but the humans didn't get it they didn't understand that he's okay it was not their fault so that's why he showed up at that intensity so I can convey he's fine he's in the peace realm he's good so like her traditional haunting is that someone who's in the pity party realm So here's another thing. When someone passes away, their energy is dispersed. So little bits with mom, little bits with dad, little bits, whatever. But like you said, there's trauma or if there's unfinished, whatever, some can stick with a place, a thing. So that is how I would say it would be haunting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess if a normal person, normal, not medium like me, was visited by this guy, it Uh would be a haunting. But to me, I was just helping. Can you go a little bit more into when someone dies, their energy is dispersed? Okay. So let's say I'll just pick somebody in my life. Okay. So grandma. So when grandma passed away, little bits with dad, little bits with me, little bits with like my sister and then the rest of the family. So all that energy gets dispersed. So let's say I am sick. The energy can come together and go help me. Like it can do that. But when you get the choice over there, if you want to come back or whatever, it's not the full energy. It's only like a little chunk that comes back. So it's like reincarnation. I had a twin sister that died at birth and my niece is now, I think she's 10, maybe nine. When she was born, I immediately was like, oh my God, why does she look just like me? My sister has blonde, thin hair and brown eyes. And the the husband had brown hair and brown eyes. And she comes out with curly brown hair and green eyes and she doesn't eat meat. She's the same person. And I'm like, okay, so this is my twin, like my twin reincarnated, but she also is not me. It's just a Mm -hmm. piece. That little chunk is in there. So I see it as mist. (laughs) I don't know. And, (laughs) but like a little bits with, like I was saying, like a little bits with me. So I have a little bit of that. And then if I was to die, I'm a mod podge of a bunch of different energies. And then it gets dispersed again. No, that's really cool. (laughs) So what is it that attracts that little piece of energy to someone? Is it just in a relationship? Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have to be family. It can be friends. It can be people you work next to, people you went to school with. It could be anybody. Because what happens in my head, like if I'm going into, let's say, a medium party, let's say there's Mm -hmm. 14 people that I'm going to give a medium reading to, and I'm sitting in front of all these people, in my head, I'm in my high school gymnasium. I don't know why I designed it that way. And (laughs) all of their people are in here. It's a massive amount of people. It's like their guides or whatever send out a 
horn and are like, hey, median's coming. <laughs> and so like somebody that's sitting next to this person at work, their dead people are here. Somebody that you see every day, their dead people are in here. So it's a crap ton of people just for like even one person. I've never heard anyone describe it like that. I know mm. whenever I give a reading, the amount of guides out there is just overkill. The idea that we have that many past loved ones with us is a nice idea. But you also mentioned that you are a vivid dreamer. Yeah, that's how it all started back when I was, this was going into my senior year at high school. I had a dream that my step-grandpa at the time passed away and his like glowy self came out of his body and Jesus took him into my grandma's room and he was like, I'm going to leave now, Dolores, and kiss her head. And then he went away and mm -hmm. I called my grandma that morning and when I, when I woke up and she's bawling because he died oh. and I'm like, what's happening? Why is this happening? And then every single important person that have ever died in my life, I have a dream the night before. Oh. They show up in my dreams because it's easier. I, especially this year, life is nuts. And I've not had time to just be like, all right, dead people, what do you want to, what do you want to tell me? Like, <laughs> it's not something yeah. that I like to do all the time. I yeah. have other things to do. So they'll right. show up in my dreams. Do you teach people the type of yeah. mediumship that you do? Yes, I am coaching and every student that I've ever had, I teach them how to do Reiki like I do it. And that's tapping into spirit. That's doing all of the work and see whatever's coming into your head, all of that. And now I've just started coaching medium. Like just if you want to learn how to be a medium, I have a, can I cuss on here? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, I have a shit ton of dead people that you can practice on. Do you have any idea why someone would have a harder time picking up on past loved ones than anything else out there? Have you come across that? I know for me, so I guess I could answer the other side of that question of like, why it's harder to connect to guides and past lives and stuff like that. Like for me, I have a hard time with that because I can't logically explain it. And so I have a harder time with being like, oh, you died in 1912 because a snake bit you in a cave. And like, I could pull that on my butt. And <laughs> so I like to be like, oh, grandma is over here showing me a picnic basket. Did you go on a picnic with her one time? And yeah. then they tell me the whole story of that. Like I can logically validate and see so that's why I am a little bit more connected with that, I think. But I have ran into where people are still fearful and they don't hmm, know it. Let's see. <laughs> What's next on there? Oh, you have a love for crystals and rocks. Oh, yeah. I wish I could show you my altar. Oh, it's a ridiculous amount I have. It's funny you say that because I'm literally surrounded by crystals. I, within reach, I've got at least four. So your friend who had passed, he gave you your first... Yeah. Still, right? I was always that kid that found rocks and kept them. And my mom hated me because she would always be washing rocks and blah, blah, blah. That was a very <laughs> normal thing mm -hmm. in my childhood. But I thought nothing of it. And it was, it never really went anywhere until my friend that passed away, he gave me a little, it's called a honey agate. It was just a Nebraska rock, nothing big. And then we watched The Secret and he was like, this is your gratitude rock. Put it in your pocket. You think of eight things that you're grateful for, whatever. And I did not know that was going to plant the seed for for the massive obsession I have for crystals. <laughs> it's a lot. Do you incorporate them into your work? 
Oh yes. So a lot of times with Reiki sessions, I can feel like, for example, if somebody's heart chakra is harder to get open, I almost see a steel gate sometimes with people. I'll just take a rose quartz and just put it on top of it and be like, okay, okay. you got to get this open. It's going to help. And then I'll come back to it and be like, okay, the rose quartz helped a little bit. I meditate with them. I sleep with them. I use them all the time. Do you work with specific crystals to help you set boundaries with ghosts? who don't pay attention or who try and get your attention? Petrified wood. (laughs) Hands down. Yep. My absolute favorite thing to work with. A lot of petrified wood has obsidian in it because that is what like forms. I have obsidian all over the place too, but petrified wood grounds me, keeps me in my own energy, allows me to mainly feel, okay, I'm myself and there's something bothering me. So Mm. I'll put it in the petrified wood. Oh, I love that. I've never heard anyone recommend petrified wood. Is so it's because it is so grounded that helps you tap yes. your energy. I just did it on my own. I have a lot of Pisces in my chart too and Scorpio. So I am like half very organized and then very flowy. So there's a method to some of my madness. <laughs> I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I for years and years was drawn to amber and I would literally oh. cover myself in amber earrings, necklaces, multiple necklaces, rings all over myself, bracelets. It was because I had so much sacral chakra trauma that I was trying to alleviate that my depression and my anxiety with Amber. And I didn't realize it was just something I was doing. I thought Amber was pretty, yada, yada. And I went into the energy of it and I was like, well, that explains my love yeah. of Amber. I can't tell you how much Amber I have. I don't need it really anymore. I still enjoy having it around, but absolutely. I get just intuitively feeling into that kind of stuff. Makes sense to me. Yeah, that's the same with petrified wood. I have a massive amount. It's ridiculous. But it definitely grounds me because I sleep with one on my chest at night and I just imagine everything going into it. I'll I'll recall my day to be like, ah, that thing that that person said, put it into the rock. So Mm -hmm. then I'm back to myself. But yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. In your own personal practice, do you meditate? Not in a normal way. I usually can't sit still. So I do have a very hard time. And I'm sure you hear this with anybody like, it's too hard to meditate. I keep thinking of things or I can't sit still. I'm one of those people. I have to be doing something. I'm either taking a walk and I'm meditating or I am taking a bath and I'm meditating or sometimes I'll turn on a guided meditation, but I have to still be doing something else. So meditating is like I'm coloring or I'm putting a puzzle together or just petting my animals or sitting on my altar watching a candle burn. That makes sense. I, for me, me meditating every day was how I addressed my depression and anxiety. So that's why I have to do it. And I'm always interested to hear how other people do it because my dad is also someone who has a lot of the monkey mind shit and he just can't get rid of. And I'm like, there's movement meditation. Like you don't yeah. have to sit still and look at the inside of your brain like I do. I was just going to say fun fact about that is I do not have an inner monologue. I'm one of those people. Really? Yep. (laughs) Just found that out this year. Right at the start of the pandemic, I was watching TikTok videos and somebody was like, did you know that there's people that do not have a voice inside of their head? And I was like, I don't. It's (laughs) happening. And it changed how I do everything because I would tell people to meditate how I meditate. But Uh I didn't realize they have a voice screaming at them the whole time. And it's impossible to do that. Yeah, it's changed a lot. So I've heard about that too. And mine is interesting as well in the respect that I don't have an inner monologue per se, but I'll hear music run through my head. Or when I read a book, I do hear 
favor, like I create it in my mind, but I don't, because I remember talking to my mom about that one time. I'm like, so when you walk over to the fridge to get a glass of orange juice, do you narrate it in your head? I should walk over to the fridge and open up the fridge and pull out a glass of orange. Like you're doing that to yourself. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. but you find that weird. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Yeah, to do it like that. I don't do that. <laughs> totally. Is that what makes it so clear to you when you're talking to a dead person? I've thought about like that's in my findings of this. I'm like, it must be easier for me to see and hear and all of that because I have all the clairs. So I must be able to connect in that way because I don't have any other voices happening. And it is easier for me to meditate because I can just immediately like when you were talking about walk to the fridge to get a glass of water like I literally picture the fridge picture what glass I'm going to get that's it maybe the pouring picture the pouring but it's just the pictures that happen in my head yeah and it's the same thing because I'm like what about when you write down a grocery list do you have to think I am going to write butter down on my grocery list or do you just know that you're going to write butter down on the grocery list So yeah, I always thought that was funny. And I never knew again until the pandemic. I never knew that was a thing, but I've never spoken to someone who does not have the inner monologue. That makes it really interesting. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about in the the work that you have coming up? So at the beginning of the year, I was doing stuff like I've been doing for the past four years. I've developed my little plan of this is how I see my business. This is what I want to do. Then of course the pandemic hit and everything had to change. And it's morphed me into going more online, doing Zoom, whatever. What I do now is I can offer everything over the internet or over the phone, except for like house cleanses. There's a lot of things in the making. I have a lot of stuff that I want to be doing, but everybody, all my guides, all the astrology, everything for me is you're doing nothing this year. I ended up moving back to my hometown and really like settling in. But for the past four or five years, I was just business facing and like just nonstop working all the time. And I don't want to do it anymore. I just don't want to hustle. And I think that the hustle has made me realize there's a lot of energies that I don't want to connect to. And people would randomly come in when I hustle and run all these specials and all this bad juju people would come in and I don't want to deal with them anymore. There's no shame in that. Yeah. If I were to want to work with you, on mediumship, how would I or someone else get in contact with you? On my website or just message me on Facebook or any social media, I'm on everything. And right now, as far as the coaching, message me and then I will set up your session. Every session that we would have, it's $100 and it's an hour and a half of us just teaching you what to do. So most people are doing um, once a month or every other week. I've been bringing in other people that I know have a lot of dead people just to use more dead people and like dead people of my clients that I am close with. That's super weird. I never thought I would like ever say that to be like, yeah, I have a relationship with my friends, dead people, but yeah. Yeah. So I can tell them like, Hey, dead people, we have another person that's going to be talking to you. So come forward. That sounds really fun. Thank you so much for talking with me today and being on the podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And um, I hope 2021 is kinder on all of us.